Welcome to Coog's Talk Stock from WSU Extension, a science-based podcast about animal agriculture for those that raise food animals, those that are interested in learning how, and those that want to learn more about where their food comes from. Find us online at soundcloud.com forward slash Coog's Talk Stock. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Don Llewellyn, Livestock Extension Specialist for Washington State University Extension on the main campus in Pullman. Welcome back to Coog's Talk Stock. Today, it is our privilege to have a conversation with the chair of the Department of Animal Science at WSU. So please welcome Dr. Gordon Murdoch. Gordon, uh, you're relatively new to WSU and the Department of Animal Sciences. So I think it would be great if you could share with our listeners your background, you know, where you grew up, what led you into the animal sciences, and ultimately on the path to your present position where you're uh, responsible for academics and administration at WSU. Great. It's it's truly my pleasure, Don. Thanks for the invitation to participate in this podcast. It, it's my very first. So my inaugural podcast, I'm happy to participate today. Um, and, and I'm also really pleased and excited to share my background and and the path that led me to the fortuitous opportunity to, to serve WSU in this capacity. Um, I grew up in many rural towns uh, in my youth. Uh, my father was in mining and my mother was in uh, school education. And uh, the longest until about the age of 19, the longest I ever lived in one town was two years. And so I got to experience a lot of things and meet a lot of people uh, throughout my early uh, childhood and, and, and my young adulthood. And, and then finally, as I started to think about careers, I really did think about how I could serve my community, make an impact over my lifetime. And initially, I thought I'd go to university and get a degree in sciences and pursue medicine. And I did pursue and receive a degree in medicine, but then realized that that career path did not perfectly align with what my family aspirations were. And, and what I hope to uh, provide to my students and, and in terms of, uh, or my children, sorry, in terms of uh, opportunities to fish, hunt, uh, spend weekend time together, uh, coach them in sports, et cetera. And so I reconsidered um, some of my careers. And, and uh, one thing that led me down this uh, pathway to agriculture was the realization that I had a deep uh, respect uh, for those involved in uh, farming and ranching and recognized that uh, they were often my friends outside of the work environment. There were people I could relate to for their hard work, for their perseverance, uh, for their intelligence, for their ingenuity, their res- resiliency, and the fact that they had a, and embodied uh, exceptional stewardship of land um, and that they provided and maintained the legacy while being adaptable to the whims and strains of Mother Nature and always uh, open to introduction of new technology and new best practices. And so just my deep, deep-sided respect for those individuals uh, drew me into opportunities to pursue a graduate degree in animal sciences and consider a career that then took me to academia at the University of Idaho for 15 years. And finally, this opportunity to apply for um, the chair of WSU Animal Sciences Program and remain on the Palouse just really seemed too good to be true. The faculty here are excellent. Uh, I couldn't ask for a better opportunity for me at this stage of my life. 
Uh, and I'm really excited to see what I can uh, accomplish over the next several years. Well, that's awesome. I, uh, I, I find it interesting that I've known you for a year or so now, and I even learned some new things about you as well. So let, let's, uh, let's talk a little about the department. Currently, what's going on in the WSU Department of Animal Sciences? So maybe you could tell our audience a bit about the current offerings for students uh, and those type of things. Absolutely. Again, my pleasure to do so. And and most people understand our major and, and the fact that we are one of the very best animal science programs in the entire nation. And we don't intend to be stagnant in that position, but uh, do all that we can to improve on a daily, weekly and annual basis. And and we've been come to known for two animal science major options. That is our pre-veterinary medicine and science option. And we had uh, another option uh, known as the animal management option. And just recently, uh, vote through faculty and we're in the works of changing that final animal management option to a more appropriate name, and that's animal science technology and production. This new title or new descriptions is a better uh, characterization of what our students can expect to learn and the fact that we're a modern and progressive program that will prepare our animal science students for careers, lifelong rewarding careers in uh, animal science, uh, industry, uh, technology, and service. Awesome. So, so there's probably some prospective students in our listening audience and maybe some parents and, and family. And so maybe you could share with them, what are some of the most popular animal science classes? Sure. Um, many, many uh, popular classes. And of course, um, people come with different interests and different backgrounds. And, and we're finding more and more of our students may not have grown up uh, on, on livestock production uh, ranches um, or, or been too involved with the industry, but understand and recognize that they have a passion for animals and want to learn more. And so, um, right off the bat, our students are, are introduced to general animal science by a, a really exceptional faculty member, uh, Dr. Martin McEvar. And, and he just embodies enthusiasm and offers the breadth of all that animal science covers. And, and we can't underemphasize that this is a science degree. And so it's based in science fact, based on research, based on best practices, but also really intrinsic to our program. It's always been critical and innate to our program that our students will come and have great opportunities to interact in a hands-on way with animals. And that's critical to them being prepared to go on and serve the industry. And of course, everyone knows that what you do with your hands is much better retained. And so the link between our classroom standard lecture and our opportunities to go out and experience the industry through internships, through site visits, and also through general labs, hands-on labs that we offer in our course are really the embodiment of an excellent program that we have always served and we will continue to serve. And we're excited to return to closer to normal as we come out of this COVID pan pandemic. Sure. How about clubs? Is there opportunities? Many, many clubs. And we encourage our students to get involved because this is another opportunity and a prime opportunity for those students to get some intensive 
um, experience involved in, for example, the one club that you mentor, our Cougar Cattle Fever Feeders, really exceptional opportunity for about 10 to 15 students that are selected annually to get a better understanding of the beef industry as well as uh, how feedlot industry works um, for our, our valued uh, beef industry. Um, many of you may know about our Cooperative University Dairy Students Club, and that's uh, uh, appropriately referred to as our CUDS program. Again, 10 to 15 students annually are, are brought into that program, and they manage uh, 35 registered Holstein um, uh, cattle. Uh, we have another dairy club that is less restrictive. So 20 to 30 students are brought into that and they'll learn and discuss dairy issues and become more familiar with dairy. Uh, if, and it doesn't matter whether they come from a dairy background themselves or, or they're new to understanding the industry. We have standard clubs like Block and Bridal, um, Student Swine Cooperative. We still offer our Collegiate Horsemen's Association, Companion Animal Club, Pre-Vet Club. So there's a vast number of opportunities for our students to come and not only uh, gain the knowledge that we present in lectures, but have an opportunity to, to dive in and associate with those fellow club members and learn from our distinguished faculty um, really uh, in a lot more depth um, about the livestock industry. Okay. So how about, is it possible for students in the department of animal sciences to work uh, as an undergraduate in the department, like a work study or something like that? Yeah, definitely. We have uh, work study opportunities. We have hourly uh, employment opportunities at both our not dairy center, as well as our uh, Ensminger beef unit. Um, we bring in uh, occasionally opportunities for students to be involved in our, our uh, farm services. And so um, there are a bunch of opportunities for students to get involved in research, animal science research, uh, from nutrition to reproduction to genetics and animal behavior. And so we encourage uh, our students to focus on their academics, of course, but uh, capitalize on uh, opportunities to earn some revenue and do that in a means that will provide them some relevant career experience, but also some enjoyment and some opportunities to interact with animals. Wonderful. So ultimately, these students are going to graduate and get go out into the world of work. So what are the career prospects uh, for students earning an animal science undergraduate degree? That's an excellent question, Don. It's really important that we focus on that because um, in all honesty, I can't be more optimistic for the career opportunities that our animal science students will have. Um, uh, there are several factors that lead to that. Uh, globally, uh, we're all aware that the numbers of young farmers are, 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 are diminishing. And so there's opportunities for people to step in and have career opportunities uh, managing and operating their own farms, of course, and they would acquire relevant not, uh, knowledge to be able to go out and do so. But our uh, graduates are in high, high demand. And that comes from our past reputation, our longstanding reputation throughout the, the nation, but regionally and, and globally, as a matter of fact. And our students move on to, to, to be involved in the nutrition, health and, and, and animal welfare areas. Um, they can be involved in generating receiving protocols for uh, our various livestock facilities that are not closed facilities. Um, they go on to manage livestock operations. Those could be seed stock, cow-calf, feedlots, dairies. 
Um, very many uh, move forward with cooperative extension, which is, of course, the interface between academia and, and our hardworking producers. Uh, they can go on to public service and, and the need to uh, be involved in public service uh, in the form of, of possibly uh being an author, possibly working um, in politics, um, but being informed in terms of what are the issues that impact uh, our animal scientists are critically important. Our commodity agencies, the USDA and several national federations, um, look to our students to fulfill the needs of, of their programs. Um, quality control, inspection, grading of meat, milk, and eggs are great career paths for our students. And now just to move to the modernization of um, livestock production, of course, we're using genetic reproductive and molecular biology technologies more and more for livestock improvement. And our students graduate with the knowledge and awareness to proceed to those careers and I'd be remiss if I didn't allude to the fact that some of our students go on to veterinary medicine and served in, serve in animal health means uh, some of them may even go on to academia, uh, the career paths that you and I have pursued. Sure. Well, I think that, that uh, you know, sometimes we have to make sure that we, we sell the point that uh, a degree in animal science, although, you know, the production side uh, you know, raising the feed, raising the animals is really important that there's really a broad uh, array of opportunities for students and for good paying jobs as well. And so I think I, I just appreciate you being able to share that with our listeners. How, how about the graduate studies uh, in the Department of Animal Science? What's going on there? Fantastic things. And I, and I can't cover them all, but um, uh, I have to state that, you know, I gain uh, tremendous amounts of enthusiasm whenever I get the opportunity to interact with our students and see the exciting things that they're doing and how engaged they are and, and just the the useful um, vigor that they approach things and the optimism and that they bring to our, our department. And of course, they interact with our undergraduate students in a critical way, serving as TAs, but they also maintain the vibrancy and they're really the face of our program as they proceed to their careers post-graduate uh, degree. And so, just to highlight a few things, of course, uh, just with the diversity of our faculty, we have opportunities uh, for uh, different areas of, of concentration. And, and so, um, I'll, I'll highlight a student, uh, a couple students, uh, Cassie Stadler, who works with uh, a new faculty, Dr. Nathan Law. Uh, she started a master's program looking at reproduction, uh, predominantly looking at germline stem cells. And, and the truth is, is that she's enjoyed that research so much over the past year um, and, and uh, with an endeavor to improve fertility, she's recently switched from a master's program and is now pursuing a, a PhD student uh, degree where she will um, hopefully go and serve in the livestock fertility and, and reproduction sectors. Uh, we have another graduate student, uh, Callan Lichtenwalter, who works with Dr. Adams' program Progar, sorry. Um, and uh, she's looking at uh, a $15 million uh, problem, and that is the uh, interaction of pest birds um, with livestock. And so pest birds consume um, feed uh, that doesn't go into the, the performance of, of our livestock. And they also uh, can become a stress factor for livestock. So Kaylin is looking um, at both means of mitigating um, uh, pest birds, but also um, understanding, better understanding the stress that they uh, parlay to our dairy 
uh, cattle. And then another student, Jira Monahan, uh, interested in nutrition, um, just highlighting the work that she happens to be doing. Um, she's uh, looking a bit at vermiculture and, of course, uh, wants to proceed to utilize her advanced knowledge and understanding of nutrition to go and serve the livestock industry in the future. Wonderful. Uh uh, there's a lot going on, and I know there's way more than 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 you can uh, than you can share with us in our limited amount of time today. <clears throat> so let's shift gears just a little bit. Not long after you arrived at WSU, everybody's world changed with this COVID nineteen pandemic. So, uh, what what's the bottom line? What kind of impacts was there? Uh, that COVID caused for the Department of Animal Sciences at w WSU? Yeah, there were many. And and the truth is, Don, you know, my tenure here has been uh, entirely under COVID starting in August of 2020. So I have yet to experience normal. And the truth is, is that some of the impacts of COVID are short term and, and completely uh, transparent and, and observable, uh, like the fact that we don't have students on campus. And other things are really um, challenges that uh, have a broader impact. And that's, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, I, of course, would love to go and capitalize on the wisdom uh, and the knowledge and the, and the need and understand uh, the challenges that our livestock producers across the state are experiencing so that we can really serve our land grant mission and COVID restrictions and travel and, 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 um, and the like have impeded my ability to get around and meet as many people and capitalize on their knowledge uh, as much as I would like to. But similarly, um, COVID has also brought us an opportunity. Um, and so if you think about one of the things that is pointed out to us is some of the pinch points. And so if you think about on the, on the beef side, um, getting your animals to facilities that can um, harvest and fabricate those has been challenging um, as those um, facilities and plants and their inspection process has been limited in terms of the capacity that they can serve. And so that's turned around and, and let us realize that we need to, as an institute, being the land grant uh, state uh, academic institute, we need to better serve that industry. And so we'll talk later about uh, one of the priorities is to recruit and, and, and hire a new meat scientist, which I think uh, will allow us to better serve that industry and, and recruit and train more people to go and serve that sector. Uh, so hopefully make some, some changes. And then similarly, another favorable thing from COVID is around those pinch points. We received one time CARES funding and I use those resources to update our facility, our meats lab, um, which I'm passionate about. And I think now we'll be better able to serve our diverse producers in terms of wanting to maybe bring their animals for harvest under a USDA inspected facility. Our animal offloading uh, site has been renovated as uh, our entrance way and our animal handling uh, facilities uh, have been updated to, to be more amenable to larger framed livestock. So I think we've made some good and important changes there so that producers may be able to capitalize on our facility should it serve their needs. Oh, wonderful. So um, you you spoke earlier about the hands-on nature of laboratory work and so forth uh, to w when you're studying for a degree in animal science and and how important that is. So, so to follow up with that 
in relation to COVID, what, what did you have to do to ensure the students still get the quality of instruction that they're accustomed to living in a COVID world, basically? Yeah, that was a real challenge, Don. And 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 in some things, there was just no way around uh, making the hard decision. And a good example of that is the club that you are the academic mentor for, and that's the Cougar Cattle Feeders. It just was not practical or feasible with our students not returning to campus to operate that in the same manner that we'd like to. And so that's an opportunity that went away. But for uh, some of our opportunities associated with courses, we did our best to get um, exemptions and allow us to offer smaller sections, uh, but still address the needs of our students. Um, and a good example of that is like our AI class. So we ran that, added extra sections, and the maximum number of students that we could serve at that point in time was nine, which um, generally we have 16 students per section. Um, and so we couldn't serve as many students at a time. But because that experience was of a critical nature, and we thought was essential to our, our interested students to still have available. We, we found ways to still offer those things. Um, of course, field trips were diminished, um, but every opportunity we could take to get our students involved and exposed to our, our beef uh, cattle, get exposed to our dairy, uh, as well as uh, small ruminants, uh, we did so. And so overall, I think our students um, didn't experience normal but certainly um, did experience an exceptional uh, opportunity to be trained under our program and still garner some opportunities to interact with animals um, and, and experience the things that we believe are critical in terms of hands-on experience that will translate into long-term knowledge. Um, we are really excited and enthusiastic that more of our labs will return to our normal um, scenario. We'll bring back our field trips. We'll have opportunities for dairy challenge uh, that were done online for our students. So we're optimistic things are going to return to the exceptional manner by which we delivered those things pre-COVID. Um, but in the meantime, I, I'm pretty pleased with how our faculty adapted and responded to provide really excellent opportunities for our animal science students at WSU. Yeah, well, as for me, I'm going to be really excited to be back in the classroom for my feedlot class this fall. It's it's uh, It seems like s such a long time since uh, since covid took hold and, and we haven't been in the classroom full time. And so it's uh, that's going to be a, a real pleasure. So um, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. And you alluded to this here a few minutes ago, uh, but it's been a really a pleasure for me to get to know some of the new faculty members in the Department of Animal Science and, you know, to start working on some collaborations uh, for both research and extension. And maybe you could share a little bit with us about the new faculty members and what they're doing. Oh, absolutely. This is really my pleasure. But I'm going to preface this, and, and, and I like to be an optimistic guy, and you'll see how enthusiastic I am about our new faculty, and it's a tremendous opportunity. But just to put things in a context, in, in, in 2015, under the uh, chairmanship of, of Margaret Benson, uh, Animal Sciences had uh, 20 faculty, and we currently have 11 and so our numbers are down and we've lost that through retirements, attrition and, and, and uh, relocations, uh, various reasons, but uh, just have been un, uh, not had the opportunity to rehire those positions. And those, so there's several areas where we were without uh, really um, 
faculty to fulfill areas of expertise. And I'm excited to say that now we're, we're, uh, we have a new stem cell biologist, uh, uh, on, um, faculty and his name is Dr. Nathan Law. And he comes to us with some exceptional, exceptional training, comes in as an assistant, uh, professor, uh, ready to, to meet all the challenges. And, and his focus is on stem cells associated with, um, germline or, or specifically Sperm development, and so um, he's involved in the reproductive side and, and improved fertility. And so I, we're really excited to have him on board. Um, we also have um, Dr. Michael Phelps, who is the first uh, faculty member that we've had in animal science that is in uh, aquaculture, and that's a growing sector, especially in our region. Um, and uh, he focuses on muscle growth, and it turns out that fish are really, really quite strong and effective in terms of converting feed to good muscle growth. And his uh, research focuses on some of the genes uh, associated with regulating that. And, and of course, um, they're vertebrates, and so some of that insight could also transfer to our beef cattle and, and, and other livestock species as well. Um, and now, uh, again, in long time waiting, uh, well before I was hired, um, they identified an exceptional candidate to fill a vacancy in our dairy nutrition. And we've brought on board uh, a faculty member, uh, exceptional faculty member named Dr. Marcos uh, Marcondes. And he uh, is one of the faculty that uh, you, Don, will be interacting with, ju with just because you have um, overlapping interests and, and uh, very complementary skill sets. And so we're excited to bring him on board and, and he's excited to get his research program um, going, uh, interact with our students and serve our clubs and, and the dairy industry as much as possible. Wonderful. So um, uh, can you share just a little bit about if there is possibility for uh, new hires in the department since, uh, you know, our, the number of faculty are, are down some due to retirements and so forth, as you as you highlighted, um, what would be those hire, hiring priorities relative to the discipline of the of the faculty and so forth? Yeah, we, we actually, because we're down faculty numbers, I have quite a long and extensive wish list. And, and the truth is, is I'll present that to, uh, our college level and our institutional level. And I really, um, hope that, uh, uh, the audience listening now will support the need for these faculty. And so just to outline a few of the positions where I think we would be better served. Um, I'm optimistic that soon we'll have somebody um, added to our functional genomics initiative hire, that person will be an extension position and they'll be the interface for modern use of technologies, uh, including, um, gene regulation and, and, uh, gene editing, uh, in advance of those technology really, really, uh, ramping up and being used, uh, by our producers. And so that hire, I believe, um, is close to fruition, although I haven't been given the launch. And that, that fact that, as I alluded to, would be a 70% extension position and a 30% teaching. So they would be exposed to our students and, and prepare them for opportunities that may be, uh, careers in, in animal technology. And then I alluded to the other thing. We've been without a meat scientist since a retirement in 2017. And, and that means that our meat slab is underutilized and, and we're not really, uh, offering that expertise as I would hope to as the land grant mission in our state. So that's another priority. And that would be a, a an extension teaching position as well. And, uh, we had a recent, uh, relocation of a exceptional faculty member, Dr. Jim Prue. 
um, who moved to his home state of Wyoming uh, after serving WSU for 14 years. And so now we're with, without a reproductive physiologist. So it's important to try and bring back somebody with that expertise. I think as I look around uh, the nation and I look at uh, our peer institutes and some of the faculty that we could serve uh, our students and, and, and our industry well with, um, I think we could use uh, somebody with the expertise in, in livestock efficiency and environmental physiologists, possibly uh, somebody that knows precision animal management. Um, I think that person could not only serve research, teaching and extension needs of our beef and dairy industry, um, but also the needs of our students to prepare them for careers that are probably expanding in that um, environmental impact, uh, that good stewardship. Uh, uh, of livestock. And then lastly, uh, associated with technology, most of our peer institutes, they also have a bioinformatics or biotechnology faculty just to strengthen research grants uh, with that area of expertise and also, again, prepare our students in the most appropriate um, technologies and, and analysis of those, uh, the data that goes into the research uh, associated with uh, livestock technology. So uh, I think those are the, the, top priorities, but of course, uh, would love to bring in uh, more beef nutrition and several other faculty as well. So my wish list is long and I really aspire to strengthen WSU's animal science program as much as possible. But um, like everything, the resources are limited. And so it has to be strategic and it has to be well justified. And that's one of the top priorities I have for myself is to make sure that people are aware that these people would be exceptional faculty for us to add, and they would serve uh, our producers, our industry, and our students in a really meaningful way for for our, uh, the foreseeable future. Okay, so um, here's here's a real broad question for you, uh, Dr. Murdoch. Uh, any new opportunities or directions you'd like to take uh, the Department of Animal Sciences under your leadership? Um, certainly. And so, uh, again, thanks for the opportunity to discuss this. And, and one of the things that draws somebody into a, a position such as this opportunity to be chair of a, an exceptional department is, is not to change too much. I mean, we're one of the best in the nation. So it speaks to the fact that we're doing things right. But, uh, one of the changes with our industry is, is there are more environmental challenges. There's misinformation out there. Um, there's a need to train a greater number of students to be the workers to replace our, our animal industry, our young ranchers and, and, um, and have them be excited about not just, uh, what it means in terms of, um, providing and, and service to our population and providing very healthful nutritional products that we derive from animals, but also about what their career opportunities are and their abilities to implement new technology, um, genetics technologies, reproductive technologies. They're accelerating in terms of their advancement and um, they can dramatically improve the sustainability of our livestock industry. And so I think there's exciting reasons that we need to parlay to our students to get them to select uh, livestock production and, and the livestock industry as their career path. And very many bright minds can come through our program. And, and my aspirations are to encourage those people to pursue these careers and fulfill the needs of, of our region, our state and our nation. And, and, uh, one way to do that is to do something that we have become known for. And that's, we have exceptional faculty that know their fields very well 
And they are really effective in terms of translating that knowledge in an exciting way to our students, especially face-to-face and especially through our hands-on opportunities. And so I don't want that to change other than I want that to continue and grow and I want that to flourish. And one of the biggest things that I can do to serve uh, the mission of, of the Animal Science Department is to work on behalf of my faculty and my staff to remove hurdles and to allow them to thrive and to pursue their passions and be effective in terms of their ability to contribute uh, to the state industry. And so that's really what I see and I prioritize my role is to be an enabler, uh, to keep people engaged, to recognize their hard work and efforts, and then uh, to make their day-to-day jobs more enjoyable and more rewarding and, of course, more productive. Yeah, well, as faculty members, we we certainly appreciate the support uh, from you as department chair in in allowing us to go out there and do good things. And so, so uh, as we wrap up here today, uh, maybe you could just, I think you're an optimistic guy, and uh, maybe you could just share some of that optimism of how the Department of Animal Sci- Sciences can serve its land-grant mission uh, in the near future and in the long term. Absolutely. And sometimes it's just little things. I, I, I think I'm really, again, I can't be more optimistic of what it's going to mean for our industry, for us coming through this COVID pandemic and reopening. Um, uh, just like you, Don, uh, faculty are anxious to return to no- normal. They're anxious to get out there and interact with uh, our exceptional producers around around the state and, and to build and 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 uh, enthusiasm and optimism for where we can go from here. I think that there's little changes that I've made uh, since since coming on board and and out of our, our livestock units, both our Knott's Dairy Center and our Ensminger Beef Center, they had internet issues, which of course were uh, became readily apparent during periods of COVID and inability to use those classrooms in a manner that we had hoped to. And so uh, one of the quick changes that I've done is to invest in internet upgrades so that our close proximity livestock units can be more effectively used for teaching and research. And that includes maybe some remote sensing technologies in livestock, uh, which I think are developing. And right now we didn't have the infrastructure to do that or were amenable to that type of research. And so uh, investing in selective things to increase our, our opportunities and our ability Ability to provide important research in an impartial way. Remember, that's what we do. Uh, we can invest in things that are maybe high risk and uh, evaluate them in terms of their effectiveness before producers may need to do so. And we're there to provide the data and take some of the risk um, and make sure that it's fact-based in terms of these recommendations that we might make uh, to advance and, and, and improve the sustainability of our livestock industry. And, and we know that um, our producers are willing and, and hopeful to, to incorporate some of those new technologies, but they want to do those in an informed way and, and make sure that uh, they're doing that in the best uh, manner that's appropriate for their own production systems. And so I think that I'm really optimistic and excited about how rapidly technology is coming on board and also 
um, just how many opportunities there are for our students. And so getting back to normal under COVID, I hope to get out there and hear the great ideas of our producers and, and the people that are boots on the ground and learn from them, uh, both their historical knowledge, but their new challenges. Um, you know uh, firsthand that drought is a real issue and, 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 and feed costs are real issues. And so we hope to provide research and, and strategies to improve that and reduce the stress and, and improve the bottom line for our hardworking producers that are across our, our state and region. Well, that that really sums it up. Uh, and it's been really wonderful to have you on the podcast today and, and so enjoyable for me to have this conversation as well, uh, you know, for you to share your insights and thoughts about the Department of Animal Sciences at Washington State University. And so, again, thank you, Dr. Murdoch. We really appreciate you being here. My pleasure. And thanks for the invite, Don. And thanks for all the hard work you do out there. And to the audience out there, I, I appreciate every day the opportunity to put uh, great beef and great dairy products uh, and great pork chops on my table. And, and without you, I would be unable to do that in a helpful way. So thanks for all that you do. Thank you. So um, we'll post contact information if that's all uh, for you, Dr. Murdoch, if that's okay, uh, we'll put that in the show notes. So if our audience has questions, you know, prospective students or, or other interested, uh, folks, uh, can contact you, uh, if they, uh, desire. And also if you have any resources about the Department of Animal Sciences that you'd like to share, uh, with anyone interested in studying animal sciences or, or just for folks that want to learn more, about the department, we can uh, post those in the show notes as well. I appreciate that, Don, and, and I'll uh, speak up for, uh, we have a new advisor in our, our program too, Mary Onemius, and she's really enthusiastic and she's generating some new material that will be useful and 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 I'll put some links or uh, provide to you some links that you can post in association, in association with this podcast. Awesome. Very good. Well, thank you, Dr. Murdoch. Uh, until next time, this is Dr. Don Llewellyn for Coog's Talk Stock. Thank you for listening to the Coog's Talk Stock podcast, brought to you by Washington State University Extension. You can review, rate, and subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen. Find us online at soundcloud.com forward slash Coog's Talk Stock, where the additional resources from our podcast are linked. Let us know if you have any burning questions or suggestions at Stock at wsu.edu. This podcast is brought to you by Hannah Browse, Sarah Drager, Dr. Don Llewellyn, and Natasha Moffat-Hemmer, and is produced by Connors Communications at Washington State University. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.